There we go. It was off. Good thing I've got a big voice, hey? How easy it is to be distracted today by the things that are around us. Now, if you don't think there are distractions out there, then maybe you're being distracted because I think there are plenty of things that kind of come at us that maybe it's just me, but it could be a whole bunch of us. Let me give you some examples. Some of you that are old enough in this room or watching online will remember the good old party line days where you'd pick up the phone, you'd kind of dial it and you'd talk, but there could be other people that might be listening to the conversation and gossip would just kind of get around all over the place. Well, I'm talking today about the modern day party lines of social media. Uh, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, some of you in this room will be thinking about TikTok, maybe not a whole bunch of you, but uh, you know, it's so easy to spend your time in these different platforms and they become a distraction. And if you don't believe me, later on today, not right now, but if you've got a smartphone, you know how to navigate it, just kind of flick to the left and have a look back through the applications that you've been using and it will tell you very quickly, maybe a little bit confronting for some of you, how long you've been on Facebook or Instagram over the past uh, day or even week. It was a little bit surprising to me when I had a look uh, late last night as well too. But uh, you know, the socials, but then you think about screens. You know, my kids were growing up, uh, it was very quickly, you know, actually it's not screen time, you're not watching screens. You know, we'd be talking about TVs, but today screens are all kinds of things. Might be on your Apple Watch. Uh, it could be on your smartphone, your smart TV, your, uh, your device, your, your, uh, your tablets. Uh, as long as you've got an internet, you can, you can be connected into any, uh, you can stream anything today on any different kind of platform if you've got that and you can be watching all kinds of things. You may have heard people say this. They say, uh, oh, some people have said to me, hey, Dave, have you seen such and such? Have you been watching such and such? I'm like, no, I haven't seen that. I say, oh, you've got to watch this show. I came across it on the weekend and I've, I've binged the entire 12 episodes this weekend. You know what? You're smiling. People are laughing at me because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or, uh, you know what? I honestly don't know how I'm going to get through the next four or six weeks. We've got the Ashes. We've got Wimbledon. We've got the Tour de France. We've got the British Open. And then you've got the FIFA World Women's Cup coming up as well. So, I mean, where are we actually going to get any time to do anything that kind of happens around this place? Or uh, maybe I throw my wife under the bus for just a moment uh, and she knows this is coming. But, you know, uh, it's that conversation you get when your lady says to you, hey, honey, I'm just ducking out for an hour. I'm going out for a coffee with my friends. Well, fellas, if you are wise enough, you know that's code for, look, uh, I'm going to be gone for the next four to six hours because I'm going to get lost in a whole, whole bunch of conversations, distractions. I don't think it's just me. The reality is that all of us are easily distracted at different times by the things that are around us. And often they're just, they're not bad. They're, they're, many of them are good things, but they can become distractions. Do you know, uh, we aren't the first people. The reality is we are not just the first people to have ever come across various things that can distract us in life. In fact, two and a half thousand years ago, there was a group of people in the days of Haggai who found themselves distracted. Distracted from God's purposes, from the things that God wanted them to be doing, and they were lost kind of doing their own things. Now, as we begin to read this story over the next three weeks, it's just two chapters, it's 38 verses. It's one of the shortest books in the Old Testament. If you've never read it, you'll get a chance to read that. In fact, you could read it every day over the next three weeks. You'd be well acquainted with it. But before, you know, as we go there, I, I don't want us to think in any sense of the imagination that these are really bad people. 
These were good people that Haggai was speaking to as the prophet of God. Be like us today. We're, we're, we're good people. We're, we're here. We're, we love Jesus. We're following him. But like these people, we can easily become distracted. The things that are around us can kind of pull us in different directions and can pull our attention away from maybe the priorities and the purposes of God. This group of people, there was about 50,000 of them. Uh, they had been living over in Babylon. They were a part of that group of people that had been carried off into exile. That very thing that God had spoken through many of the other major prophets saying, look, if you don't get your life right, if you don't work this out, then I'm going to allow you to be carried off. It'll be part of your punishment. And, and this is where they've been. For 70 years, at the end of the 70 years, uh, it's in the Persian Empire right now. And King Darius, the, the, the emperor of Persia, says, you know what, all the Jewish people, if you want to, you can go back to Israel. Well, a whole bunch of them decided they wanted to stay right there in Babylon. They, they had married, they'd settled down, they'd built homes, their lives were there, their kids, their grandkids were there, and so they stayed. But 50,000 of them decided, no, 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 we actually want to go back. We want to go back to this land that was ours, and we want to be a part of rebuilding this country once again. And this is the group of people. And so as they had gone back, stuff had just happened. External opposition had kind of happened to them. They began to rebuild the temple and the altar had been built and the foundation had gone down. But then stuff began to happen and all of a sudden they got distracted. They lost their way a little bit. And it's now through the prophet Haggai that, that God begins to speak to this group of people trying to get their attention. Speaking into all of their distractions and hoping to, you know, speaking to them to, to get them back and moving in the right direction. And that's where we pick up the story. And so if you've got your device, your Bible, uh, I encourage you, let, let's read this. I'll read it through the lens of a good group of people who had become distracted from what God had called them to do. And Haggai begins to speak to them. God begins to speak to them through Haggai, uh, helping to reprioritize or to refocus them in this period of time. And this is what God said in verse 2. He starts with this word of rebuke. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. This is the opening statement. You know, we're told about Zerubbabel and Joshua. Then we're told that the Lord Almighty spoke through Haggai saying, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord, to rebuild my house. And what's going on? Well, really, it's an opening statement that's coming from God. Uh, and he is giving a, an assessment of the prevailing attitude of the day. He's summing it all up. And it wasn't good. You know, his, his reference to these people instead of my people probably should say something to us right there. I mean, th these were good people, remember. 50,000 people that were his people. Uh, he could have called them my people, but he says these people. It's quite impersonal, isn't it? But it's in that sense that there is a, there is a statement that's being made. You know, you know, parents, when it's your kids... And something's going wrong, you know. I, you know, I've done this before. I've looked at Julie and gone, your kids in this situation. Not my kids, your kids, your side of the family. It's a little bit about what God's kind of saying here, right? He's saying, you know, the, or these people. Well, why were these people expressing this viewpoint that it wasn't quite yet time to rebuild the Lord's house? Well, 
If you follow this story, it's worth actually even reading the book of Ezra in conjunction with the book of Haggai because it, it kind of fills in some of the gaps as well too. But we know that this group had returned after 70 years. They'd returned to a land that was desolate, that had been decimated because of, of war. When, these, when they had been carried off into captivity, I mean, it was utterly just laid bare. And so they're returning to a country, uh, to, a na- to a land that they once owned that was desolate. There's the work that was hard. They, they lacked possibly the resources and the manpower to begin to rebuild this temple. And then ultimately they had some hostile enemies who uh, were really resisting their work. And so what did they decide? Well, they couldn't speak about the idea of the temple because they knew, knew that God had said to go back and to rebuild the temple. They couldn't say that that wasn't a good idea. So what did they say? They, they decided or they determined that it wasn't wrong. It just wasn't yet. It wasn't God's timing. And what did they do? They got on with their lives. They got on with doing what you just kind of do when you distract it. They started building their own homes. Kind of, They became prioritized with the things that they felt like they could give attention to and the things that maybe seemed most important in that moment. And when God sees this through the prophet Haggai, he poses this rhetorical question to them uh, and says this in verse 4. He says, and it's, it's kind of with tongue in cheek. He says, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? That word paneled means your beautiful palaces. It's like you've, you've poured all this money into your own homes. Is it time for you to be living in your paneled houses while this house, my house, remains in ruins? What's God saying? He's really challenging their priorities. They're wrongly ordered priorities. He's challenging the fact that they were willing to live in such personal comfort and luxury in their own homes while his own house lay in ruins. God wasn't saying that it wasn't good to have a house or to have a nice house, but it was was where their priorities lay. It was all about building up their own house and having this beautiful palace while his house, the temple, the place in which he resided, lay in ruins. Now, if we get to this part in the story, it's easy for us to get a little judgy and go, you know what, can't believe they did that. It's terrible. But, you know... They're not that different to us. And in fact, you can quite easily see where they went to after 14 or 16 years of being back in the land. I mean, they come from Babylon. They come back into this country and it all was a little bit too difficult. They had tried to, they had started well. And yet it just, they kind of hit this obstacle. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you've thought about building a house or you're currently building a house and you know, the whole thing has just slowed right down because you can't get certain resources. Or uh, you've wanted to put an extension on your home and you're excited about it. You've gone out and you've, you've uh, had it drawn up, plans drawn up. You've got this beautiful looking thing. It's going to look great. You think it's going to be great. But when the permit goes up on the fence, the neighbors get a little argy-bargy about the whole thing. And the whole thing ends up then in court being arbitrated because somebody's not wanting you to do what you want to do. And it's so easy for things to just stall in that moment. Well, this is in one sense what's happened to the people of God. They have gone back to Israel, back to Jerusalem. They have started well, but then they've come up against obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And they've just gone, you know, what? it's just too hard. 
And we don't hear it in the passage or in the text, but I can imagine them starting to say to themselves, you know what? Oh, this is just too difficult. Do you know what? My own house lies in a bit of a wreck. You know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm I'm just going to put my attention towards building up my own house. We'll let this one go for the moment. In fact, you know what? You know, this temple here, it's been lying in ruins for the last 50 or 60 years. So what's another 10, 20 or 30 years? We will get around to it at some point in time. Or, uh, do you know what? You know, this whole thing, you know, I need to prioritize and take care of my own family in this moment. And so I'm going to put all of my energy and my resources into that. And we'll get back to that at some point. You know, the altar is already there. I mean, we can, we can still be uh, doing some of our sacrifices and we can be participating in some of the annual feasts that we do. So, you know, good enough is, you know, close enough is nearly good enough. So we'll just kind of let it sit there and we will get around to it at some point. Maybe it's just not for our generation yet. It's not that we shouldn't do it, but it's just not the right timing. And so they became distracted. And they threw all of their energy into building up or controlling what they could control for themselves. You know, I think sometimes we're a bit like that as well too, aren't we? The things that we feel like we're comfortable with or that we can manage or control ourselves, when everything else is out of control, we become kind of control freaks and maniacs over here in this space. And that's a little bit of what they were doing. And so what what does God do? He comes to them. He poses that rhetorical question with tongue in cheek. You know, is it really the right thing for you to be doing? It's a little bit like an unwelcome alarm clock. Anybody have any of those in your households? Mine went off at five o'clock this morning. Burp, burp, burp. You know, very quickly do I turn the phone off, you know, in that moment. You know, no one likes an alarm clock. But it's kind of like it's a, it's a necessary evil, isn't it? Because without the alarm clocks, you know, if that had not gone off this morning, I might have still been in bed at 8 o'clock this morning and suddenly been in a panic before we kind of start today. An alarm clock, uh, it's unwelcome, but it's necessary. And, and, and God is using Haggai like this unwelcome alarm clock to get their attention. And dare I say that sometimes that's the way in which God works with us as well too, doesn't he? He gets our attention through different ways and means because we've become distracted or we've kind of lost track of where we need to be. Well, God continues to keep speaking through Haggai to these people. Haggai continues on in verses 5 and 6. And he says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. What's God saying? Well, he's outlining in one sense the results of their distraction. He's already rebuked them around the fact that they had the wrongly ordered priorities, but now he's outlining the results of their distractions. Were they sowing more and harvesting less? Well, absolutely. They were working their backsides off. Now, back in this land, they were sowing more, but the reality was they were still getting less. And were they eating more and drinking less? Yes. 
And were they earning more and accumulating less, less according to, to Haggai? Absolutely. It's like they were getting all this money and they were putting it in their pockets, but they still, when they went to get it out, they still didn't seem to have enough money. And what was the reason for all of this? Well, the answers were all yes, but why was it? It was because of their distraction. In their distraction, they had lost sight of God's purpose for their lives. And while they focused on the, the beautification of their own homes, it was as if God had taken and removed his blessing from all that they were doing because no longer did he sit in that first place. Now, this should not have been a shock for this group of people. Because if you look back through the scriptures, back into uh, the book of Deuteronomy, God made it very clear to his covenant people, to this nation of Hebrews that uh, he was taking them into this land. God made it really clear, Deuteronomy chapter 11, you can read that. He outlined clearly that if you obey me, here are the blessings that are going to be. And if you choose to disobey me and, and kind of live according to your own purposes and your own ways, then there will be judgments and curses on that as well. Hence why they've been already carried off into exile into uh, to Babylon. But God in his grace was bringing them back again. And now they're as his covenant people back in this land. But once again, so quickly, they're beginning to live and kind of, you know, they're distracted. And they're kind of following their own purposes. Now, for many of them, they probably had written it off at this point thinking, well, you know what? It's just tough times. You know, it's a series of droughts. Well, we've got these kind of external enemies out here once again. You know, it just makes it really difficult for us all the time. Well, their experience is just a challenging reminder, I think, to us that choosing to neglect God's purposes and priorities can have very serious consequences in our lives. So what's God do? Does he kind of just smack them around a little bit with a rebuke and then just kind of leave them to themselves again? No. It's a beautiful story. God actually comes to them with a, what you might call a remedy, a solution. And in verses 7 and 8, this is what he says. Through Haggai, give careful thought to your ways. There's that word again, that phrase. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. What's God tell them to do? He calls them away from their distraction. From the things that they were fixated upon, he calls them away from that and he calls them back to the task of rebuilding the temple to get back on with the job. Why? So that God might take pleasure in his house. Now, we could spend probably a whole bunch of time talking about this. You know, was it all about this temple? Well, it was in the sense that God wanted them to go back and to rebuild the temple. But see, in, in them reprioritizing or being focused upon this task, uh, that was really indicative of where their hearts were at. It showed God that they were fully aligned, that they were in step with him, that they were doing exactly what he wanted them to do. So God called them. He called them away from the distraction. He says, get back to work. Get back to what is most important. See, it was a time for a shifting in priorities, a time for God's people to start being concerned about pleasing him rather than pleasing themselves. And the rebuilding of the temple would just have much to say about how the people were faring in that respect. You know, in verses 9 through 11, God kind of goes back into it to say, you know what, you know, if you choose, 
you know, to disobey me, here's going to be the results and the, the fruit of all of those labors. But then I want you to see the response that happens in verse 12. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua. We're told that it starts with these two men, Zerubbabel and Joshua, and then the whole remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. We're told that the people feared the Lord. You know, that word fear, we, we ascribe that usually to terror. Uh, but in this sense, it's not so much terror, it's this whole idea of just reverence and awe. Just, you, know, you realize that suddenly you are, you're in the presence of God and there is this, this, this holy reverence that kind of comes upon you. These people were, that they, they just they had a sense that God was speaking to them. And a work of renewal began to bubble up in these people, beginning with Zerubbabel and Joshua. Now, how often does a significant uh, shift of renewal, it has to happen often in leaders first, doesn't it? Where the head leads, the body follows, and then the people begin to respond as well too. And we're told that they obey the voice of the Lord. And, and what does God do? Don't want you to miss this. In verse 13, he responds by saying, I am with you. The same God who, uh, when he spoke to Moses at the burning bush, said, I am with you. And to Joshua, I am with you. Is there the same God also uh, uh, to Zerubbabel and Joshua saying the same thing, but in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus gave the Great Commission as he was about to leave, and he said, and you can be sure of this, that I will be with you to the very end of the age. It was God's promise. God's promise to us, to those disciples, and to Zerubbabel and Joshua, that as you step out in faith and as you prioritize God's purpose for your life, God's saying, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And this chapter finishes by telling us that then the Lord stirred up, stirred up the heart of Zerubbabel and Joshua. And the Lord stirred the spirit. The spirit of the Lord stirred then all of the people. And they came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Just three weeks after Haggai had spoken to them. Now you might be thinking, well, why did it take them three weeks to do that? Well, that time of the year, there was all kinds of things kind of going on in that Jewish calendar. And so they were either tidying up or wrapping up things. But the point, nonetheless, is that three weeks later, this entire group of people came together and they got on with the task. Distractions having been put to the side. The the obstacles were still there. Their homes were still there. But they put them to the side and they refocused on the task of, of what God had called them to do. Just three weeks later. Now, what do we take from this story? From this beautiful story of of renewal? You know, let's be honest. Our lives are remarkably different. The distractions that we face today, so completely different than what they were facing on that particular occasion. But the point is still here. 
there is something in this story that as you begin to think about where our lives can sometimes be, you know, it actually allows us to ask the question of ourselves. You know, is there anything in my life currently that's distracting me, that's pulling me away from being focused on what God really wants for my life, on the priority and the purposes of God? And, and to help us kind of maybe dig into that for just a few moments as I try and apply this is, I want to take this back into the text for a moment. You see, this statement is made twice in this chapter, but across the 38 verses, we see it's in different ways, but written about five times. It's the phrase that Haggai uses where God says in verses 5 and 7, give careful thought to your ways. It kind of just sits there and you kind of gloss over it really quickly. Some other translations say, consider your ways. But as I thought about that this week and thought about that question that Haggai was posing of this group of people where he was saying, just hang on a minute. Give careful thought to your ways. Consider the way in which your life is going as another way of putting it. Or we might, or I might in my own vernacular say, maybe it's time to take stock of your life a little bit. The direction in which it's going as a younger person or as an older person. You know, uh, as you're thinking about the direction of your life, uh, is it kind of moving in the right direction? Is it the direction that God would want you to be going in at this point in time? Or uh, are there things that are kind of distracting you away from where he wants you to be? So God said through Haggai to this people, carefully consider your ways. You see, I think that's the question for us today as we open up this book of Haggai and we begin to think about what it might mean for us is that God's posing a question for us uh, in this generation, in this time, in this month, in this year, where he's saying to us individually and also as a church, carefully consider your ways. You know, it's obvious in this story as you read it that what God wanted for these people, he wanted them to be in step with him. So he didn't want just kind of somewhat obedience or partial obedience. God wanted this wholehearted, devoted commitment to him. And I don't think that's changed at all. It doesn't matter what your age is, what season you might be in, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether life is going well, whether it's not going well, what God wants from us is wholehearted devotion. He wants every one of us to seek first, to prioritize him and his kingdom above anything else and so that question sits out there consider your ways now is there anything that's currently in your life as you think about it that uh, is distracting you away from the purposes of God? is there anything that needs to be renewed in your life uh, as you think about the direction of your ways you know what might that look like Gee, there's any number of things. You know, maybe for some of us here or we're watching online right now as well too, is that you gather here, but you know that you're not in a right relationship with God. In fact, maybe you'd honestly say, well, I'm here, I'm fascinated, I'm intrigued and interested in the purposes of God, but I don't have a relationship with Him. And so what's the work of renewal that needs to take place in your life? Then it's reaching out and embracing 
uh, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the step. That's the work of renewal that needs to begin in your life because you can't actually embrace the purposes of God for your life without being in relationship with God. And yet so many of us, and for those of us who are already walking with Jesus, we know what that looks like, that at times in our lives we've just been lost and we've not been sure what to do, but we keep filling our life with other stuff because it's the distractions, because we think that's going to fill the void for us. It's why St. Augustine once said we've been made by God for God and our hearts are restless until they find their home in Him. Until our hearts, until our lives are orientated with, with God in the center, then there is this restlessness to us and we'll just keep chasing stuff. We're here one moment thinking, ah, oh, this is going to fulfill me, but it doesn't. And so then we shift from that to that and then that to that and we just drift all over the place. And maybe for some of us today, it's, it, it's us reaching out and saying, I actually have to begin a relationship with God. That's the step. That's what God's saying to you through this story. Or maybe, maybe just the fact is that other, plenty of us in this room, we're already walking with him. We're already good people, but life has just gotten in the way for all kinds of reasons and we've become distracted. And it could be any number of things today. It might be the fact that you're sitting here or watching and you've just got pain in your life from stuff that's happened. And if we're honest, in the last couple of years, there's been a whole bunch of stuff that's happened in life that's caused us a whole bunch of pain, hasn't there? And for some of us, that's the stuff that's still getting in the way that's stopping us from diving wholeheartedly into our relationship with God. Or, or maybe it's a relationship that we're in that we know is just not right, but we're in this relationship because we really want the relationship, but we know it's not right. Or there's some destructive habits in our lives that we continue to kind of keep... Uh, we, we lean in and out of, but they still, we, we can't seem to break them. And God's saying to us today, you know what? These things are distracting. They are pulling you away from where I want you to be. And I want to do a work of renewal in your life. I want to do a work of renewal. See, for these people, this group of Israelites that were living in this country that had returned, uh, this returned group of exiles, they were good people. They just had conflicted priorities. And they become distracted. And God had to do a work of renewal in their lives. So is there a work of renewal that needs to take place in your life today? You know, over the last 12 months, I've sensed that God's been doing a work of renewal in many people's lives was something pretty difficult that kind of came out of that pandemic, wasn't there? That for us, you know, for many, it tied us up in knots. But how quickly is it that we can just kind of move on from that and just kind of return to life and just start chasing all the things that we kind of know and we want in life and it just, uh, before we know it, we're kind of just doing our own thing once again. And so as I land this today, maybe the reality is that some of us, the work of renewal is starting right now with us dipping into and beginning a, a relationship with God. And can I just say there's no greater choice, there's no greater step that you could ever take in your life than realizing and beginning to acknowledge that, you know what, without me embracing Jesus Christ as my own Lord and Savior and asking him to come in and to forgive me of my sin so that I might live in a right relationship with God, that I'm going to keep coming up empty all the time. 
And so maybe, just maybe, that's the thing that some of us need to do today. Or maybe the other practical step for those of us that are already there, it's making some deliberate choices. It's saying today that, you know, I'm already following Jesus, but I realize I'm so easily distracted. Uh, I'm going to work. It's not working. It's not about working, but you know what? I'm actually going to intentionalize opening my Bible for 10 minutes a day so that I can grow this relationship that I've already got. Or I mean, as I'm driving to work, I'm going to make sure I've got that podcast on. Or I'm, I'm listening to uh, a devotional app that's going to stimulate and encourage me. You know, over the last two weeks, I've been on this, uh, following this little, uh, my, my devotional comes out of a thing called Lectio 365. And I've been on this little pilgrimage journey with uh, this guy who's been walking from the island of Iona uh, right to the other side of Scotland. It's been a real blessing and ministry in my life as I've just taken 10, 15 minutes each and every day just kind of pulling into that space and allowing the Spirit of God to minister into my soul and into my spirit. You know, maybe the step for some of us is going to be saying, you know what, I realize that the things that distract me in life are my hobbies and passions. It's, you know, it's, it's going hunting and camping and fishing or, you know, it's, um, uh, it's food. I love food. And so I'm kind of out and about dining and doing different things. You know, it'll be different for all of us, won't it? But it's saying, you know what, I realize that sometimes those things become, can become a number one thing in my life. It doesn't mean that you can't do them, but they can become such a priority that they stop me from actually using the gifts and the talents that God has given me and to invest it back into uh, the ministry of the kingdom of God. And I think one of the greatest traps of the enemy is busyness. We can be busy at work, we can be busy with our hobbies and our passions, you ask someone, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm just busy. I'm like, well, no, no. You know, business, we get tied up in busyness. Or maybe, and just maybe for some of us, this sense of us drawing back into walking close with God, back into uh, step in step with God, it's around, maybe it's what we're doing with our wealth. You know, great message last week as uh, Steve helped us wrap up our Money Matters series helping us to think about, you know, what are we doing with what's been given to us and where's our heart in all of that? And it's so easy for us to get caught up in this trap of just accumulation and then more accumulation. But have we ever stopped to think about how God might want to use us as fruitful, faithful stewards around leveraging what he has given us for his own kingdom purposes. Maybe there's a reprioritizing around some of that that needs to happen in our lives as well. See, in the end, it's a hard issue. What I love about this story, it's what God was doing. He was stirring in the hearts of people. He was stirring in Zerubbabel and Joshua. And that spilled out of there then into the hearts of the people. And within three weeks, they had collectively responded. And they began to rebuild this temple what's the spirit of god wanting to do in us today as we sit here as we think about our own lives and the direction in which we are walking is there anything in your life that is currently distracting you away from god's purpose and priority for what he wants what he wants is our hearts he doesn't want just a little bit of Worship on a Sunday and then we forget about him throughout the week. He wants our hearts. 
So I want to pray for us as we finish. And as our team comes back onto the platform this morning. But in this moment, as we begin to sing and worship once again, that uh, there will be a sense of us aligning our heart right now with what God wants for us. Is there something that needs to go in our life? There needs to be a, a reprioritizing of different things? So now's the time to do that right now. Hey, would you stand with me? Just stand with me as I pray. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. This is a holy moment right now. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You see, maybe you're here in this room right now and you've never given your heart to Jesus. And you just know there's a prompting. Can I just tell you, that's the stirring of the Holy Spirit who was saying to you, you need to respond. You know, if you've never given your heart to Jesus and you want to begin a relationship with him right now, would you just pop your hand up right wherever you are right now? Just raise it. No one's looking around. I just want to be able to pray for you. Just get my attention. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else today? Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You may pop your hands down. You know, as our heads are bowed, you know, if the Spirit of God's speaking to you today around, maybe it's your priorities, it's around where your life is going, you're feeling like you are distracted. I want to pray for you in just a moment as well too, but would you let me know? Just pop your hand up and say, you know what, yeah, that's me, Dave, you're speaking to me today. The Spirit of God is speaking to me today. I've got stuff I've got to need to, I've got to think through right now. Just pop your hand up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Father, right here in this room right now, I thank you for what your spirit is doing. Lord, just like you spoke through uh, Haggai to Zerubbabel and to Joshua. Lord, it grabbed a hold of the attention of these people. God, that question, consider your ways, it went out and it just stopped. God, I, I thank you for what you're doing right now in this place. What you're doing in the hearts of people here and online right now, I, I thank you that you are causing us to think about the direction of our lives. Father, I want to just pray for those right now that are just acknowledging that right now they need to step into and begin a relationship with you. Father, you know those hearts right now that have just acknowledged that today. Who are saying for the very first time, who are, who are, who are saying that your son, Jesus Christ, they're embracing your son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and their Savior. Oh God, I pray that you would bless and encourage them right now that as they step into that space, Father, I thank you. You promised to meet with them at their points of need. You promised to forgive them of their sins. You promised to make them whole and complete and to not leave them nor forsake them, but to walk with them through every step of the way. Father, may this be the beginning of a day that completely transforms their lives. God, thank you for what you're doing right there. Father, we want your spirit here in this place, your Holy Spirit, to stir our hearts like you've never stirred it before. 
But Lord, our desire as we go from this place is to live for you and to live for you alone. And so we ask that you give us the courage to push the things aside that can so easily distract us. If it's hurt in our lives right now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would help to remove that hurt. Or if it's our, our fascination with just accumulating more things, Father, would you help us to, be, to, to live with generosity? To make decisions, maybe it's tough decisions in our lives around what we're going to let go so that we can live and be more generous. Father, maybe it's also it's just things that we've just got to we've just got to stop doing because we just know that also it's not a bad thing. It's not the best use of our time. Father, would you mobilize us like you did in the days of Haggai with that fifty thousand group of people strong? Would you mobilize us and continue to use us as we move from here? We're not building a temple, but Father, I'm conscious that you are building within us all. God, we have the, we are the temple of your Holy Spirit. You live within us. And so each and every day you are, you are growing us, you are maturing us, you are moving us to be more and more like your son Jesus. Father, we pray that your spirit would continue to keep moving in us in a powerful way for your great kingdom purposes. Father, continue to keep drawing us close to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. respond.